Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I actually do have a Nitro sitting here right in front of me, so this might be a wild one. This is going to be an interesting episode because we're going to be talking about my thoughts on using universal control. I got a pretty cool setup going on right now. Going to talk about missing my Apple Watch. Been trying out something else for a little bit. And we're going to talk about mid-journey. You might have been hearing about it. I've been using it like crazy, so I've got some thoughts for you there. But uh, yeah, you might have been seeing uh, Midnight MacBook Air. That's the new thing. And there's just tons and tons of pictures, videos, where the thing's just covered in fingerprints. Usually, I don't talk about fingerprints because I just figure it's kind of par for the course. You buy something, you know, tech-related something, got a smooth surface, going to show some fingerprints. Well, this looks like it might actually be worth talking about because, again, I haven't tried it. I still don't have it, but it just looks like a crazy amount of fingerprints, which almost to the point of of being, like, annoying. I can't wait to get my fingerprints all over it. I, of course, ordered it within minutes of it being released, and uh, Apple didn't send me one to review, but I ordered it within minutes of being released. I still don't have it. Uh, So apparently, you really do. If you want to get it, when it, at the very first possible day, you really do have to go in and pre-save, like add it to your cart, get all your payment stuff all taken care of ahead of time so you can literally just go hit the buy button. And apparently a lot of people did that ahead of me. I mean, it couldn't have taken me more than just a, a couple of minutes uh, to complete my order from scratch there on that morning. But lesson learned. I'm sure there's somebody else out there who can't wait to get their fingerprints all over that new midnight MacBook Air 2 who just ordered a little too late. Seriously, though, I can't wait for it to come because uh, I want to compare it. Uh, obviously, I just want to check it out, give you my thoughts. But I also want to just compare it to the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I think that makes sense, you know, um, how capable is that versus uh, a tablet, you know, a very capable tablet. That's probably a decision a lot of people are going to be making. Should I get the iPad? Should I get the Air? Which one? Alternatively, I also want to compare it to what is, to me, a newish computer, um, my macbook pro so air versus pro that makes sense as well Um, so there's lots of content that i want to make and recommendations i want to give you plus just tell you what do i like better you know of all these devices and it's hard to choose which is a great segue into talking about universal control because i've been using universal control uh, here at my desk setup and i've really been liking it now i've used it uh, before just in passing very briefly just like oh, I remember, Universal Control, I should check that out. And then it was glitchy, wasn't working real good um, for various reasons. Uh, When it did work, it was very cool. But with my setup, um, my big massive setup, it wasn't really working. So right now I've still got that 40-inch ultra-wide sitting in front of me, got my MacBook Pro sitting on a 12 south curve stand over to the right. The screen is open so I can see it, use it, although I do try to shut it sometimes when I'm not using it so it doesn't get all dusty, I hate that. And you know, you know that first fingerprint or whatever, speaking of fingerprints, that gets on the screen of a new laptop? Oh, I hate that. That just doesn't feel new anymore. But then I have had my uh, iPad Pro over on the left, and I was just kind of, it was just there. It was sitting there, and I wasn't really using it while I was at my desk. Um, it was just like something to grab and go, basically, unless I needed to use the Apple Pencil for something. But um, I don't know how this happened. I, I opened it up over there, all the way over on the left, super far away from my Mac, basically on opposite sides of the desk and opposite edges of the desk and all of a sudden with the latest betas everything started clicking and i noticed that my mouse from from my so i got the apple uh, magic keyboard with the touch id in front of me and the trackpad the magic trackpad's in front of me all of a sudden the mouse went over to the ipad screen and started controlling stuff and i was like oh cool so i went into the settings and uh i arranged everything you know how you arrange the monitors 
I arranged it so it would line up just right. And it was crazy. For the first time, my whole setup was working with universal control. And I was like, wow, well, what can I do with this? Of course, the benefit of universal control being that the iPad stays the iPad and the Mac stays the Mac. Because before with Sidecar, the Mac took over the iPad, just extended the Mac screen to the iPad. And they didn't have their own distinct personalities anymore. So... Uh, that got me thinking, and I've since switched back to a setup that I, uh, an arrangement, I should say, that's similar to what I had at my old office, which was uh, the big ultra wide, you know, sitting in front of me, and then the iPad Pro right under that. Uh, I still have the Mac over to the right, so it's not symmetrical anymore. It feels a little bit off balance, but I like having that iPad directly underneath. One thing I did have to do was move the dock because the dock was sitting on the bottom of the screen. I hate having it over on the side. But, you know, when you're trying to hit something on the dock and it accidentally, the, the mouse cursor goes down onto the iPad, that's a real pain. So I had to make that switch. It's not my favorite, but I'm living with it. Yeah, universal control itself has been awesome. You know, um, just like, I feel like little things like copying and pasting and dragging and dropping stuff from the iPad over to the Mac, um, the copying and pasting seems like it happens faster than it went when it's just all purely through the cloud the old way that it used to happen i don't know um and maybe i'm just making that up but i don't think so but yeah dragging and dropping assets between um the two devices is awesome and i mean so much syncs by the cloud anyways so the, like the files aren't as much of a big deal but if you have a specific asset and you're creating something like for me as a video creator if i want to go into i don't know procreate or something and throw something together real quick and, and just drag and drop that into final cut pro um, that, that finished file there, super cool, super easy. And of course you could just do something like airdrop too. So I guess this just gets back to what I was talking about in the recent video on the channel was options. Apple gives you options. You don't have to use them, uh, but it's cool that they're there because everyone ends up using things differently. That's for sure. So I've been liking it. And, um, the thing is, you know, so everything with all the betas, it mostly works pretty well. Ooh. And I, I just, uh, I'm looking at this as I'm talking here. <laughs> I went to the iPad home screen. I see my new wallpaper on there. I just uploaded the Siri Blurs uh, wallpapers to the store and ooh, they look good. Um, not to toot my own horn because I actually didn't make it. I, I made it with Midjourney, which we'll talk about a little bit later here, but well, I'll take that back. I mean, I, I did uh, make it, but with Midjourney's off, but things are nice and fluid and smooth here. And it's just like, this is, this is peak Apple stuff right here. This is peak ecosystem stuff. You know, this kind of thing, in terms of physical hardware, I don't know how things can really get better than this. When, once you get into the digital AR realm, uh, you know, that's going to open up a whole new world of possibilities. But for right now, as we kind of approach the end of just the hardware-only stuff before we hit the AR, this is super, super cool. Now, I have been having the preferences pane open <laughs> on uh, the top left corner of my ultra-wide. It's not huge. It doesn't take a lot of space. And it's usually just in the background behind Final Cut or Photoshop or whatever I'm in. But I've had it there because every now and then the universal control drops still um, works like 95% of the time now. Uh, but every now and then um, it just disappears. And that was happening before on previous versions of all the betas that I was running. And then I just couldn't get it back. Uh, but now it's just real easy to get it back with one click. Um, so I just have that open just in case. But as soon as everything's out of beta and it's just the full on version of stuff, uh, then I'll put that preferences pane away because I won't need it, hopefully. And, uh, oh yeah, if you haven't tried this yet, so worth it. And the thing, by the way, the thing that, uh, blows my mind here, the thing I wasn't sure about was whether or not a non-Apple piece of hardware in the middle 
was going to be able to work. And it does. Um, and so, you know, I thought with the studio display, then it would work for sure, obviously. Um, but I don't have a studio display here right now. That was one thing Apple was going to send that they never actually ended up doing. Um, and I haven't bought it. But it's like, wow, you can have uh, an LG thing in the middle and it all still works flawlessly. Even the Apple Magic still works even across non-Apple monitors or displays, which is what's really cool here. Because that was sort of the wild card for me. Um, and I was like, maybe I'm not going to be able to use it but I can. All right, let me tell you a little bit about uh, how I'm missing the Apple Watch. So I think I told you, you know, I'm kind of in between Apple Watches and I'm kind of waiting for the next you know, announcement in September before I buy another one uh, for lots of reasons. Anyways, in the meantime, I hit up Withings. I was like, hey, can you send me over your new scan watch? I saw somebody else uh, had covered it. I didn't even know it existed, but I think Carl Conrad or somebody had it on their feed. And I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to check it out. Withings was cool enough to send it over, and I've been wearing it for the last week or so. And I'm probably going to make a video on this at some point, but I just wanted to kind of give you a few thoughts ahead of time as I kind of solidify my own thinking about it. When I had the Apple Watch, uh, it turns out I really took it for granted. And I was starting to almost not like, resent is too strong of a word, but but not like that it just seemed like it was everywhere. It seemed like everyone had an Apple Watch which is one of the things I used to really like about Apple stuff in the old days. It was that it was non-mainstream and uh, it was kind of cool to go against the grain. That was in the marketing too, you know, like that was the mentality of Steve Jobs back in the day, he flew the pirate flag, you know, in his office because um, they were raiding, you know, the mainstream stuff. Anyways, it's completely and totally not uh, indie anymore, super mainstream, all the Apple stuff, which is fine. Um, you know, I enjoy using it, working with it, but it does, doesn't it seem like everybody, you know, I mean, you go anywhere. I was at Starbucks this morning and I was getting my nitro and there was an Apple watch, you know, it's just like everyone everywhere has an Apple watch. It seems like now I know I'm overdoing it because a lot of people don't, but it's not really cool or different to have an Apple watch. It's just useful. So when I was still wearing it all the time and I haven't been without one since they came out, by the way, <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, this is the longest I've gone without an Apple watch. Um, you know, when I had it, I took it for granted, and it was just the little things, like setting reminders or, or doing intercom stuff with Siri, uh, starting a, uh, a timer, you know, with Siri, something like that. Oh, Siri's going off on my iPad right now, so annoying. Um, and, well, well, let me tell you a little bit about this. Okay, so the Withings Scan Watch, um, it's a an old-school-looking, more traditional-looking uh, watch with the, you know, uh, metal link band and stuff. Um, it's got a nice green face on it, and it's not cheap. It's like 500 or, or 550 maybe close to $600. I don't know what it is exactly. But um, it has the looks of an old-school watch with uh, some intelligence added to it. <laughs> I was going to say uh, with the, the brains of a smartwatch, but I, that's, that's going too far. It has some intelligence added to it. So basically what that amounts to is a sensor on the back, so it can do some uh, health-related tracking and stuff. And then there's like... A complication, I guess you would call it, up on the top. There's one on the bottom too. That's an actual analog complication. But then there's one on the top that, if you tap the side button, it will let you do things like, um, you know, see your heartbeat, and in this little window, right, little circular window, um, and and access some of the digital features. So it's really, really basic. And I think the benefit of this is uh, that, you know. It, it, you know, it's so simple that it's not distracting, I guess, for sure. For a super tech enthusiast, it ha holds almost no um, appeal from the tech perspective. It's like, it's so old school 
that uh, the tech is just, it feels like an old calculator almost versus the Apple Watch, which feels like way more futuristic. Um, you know, I've caught myself trying to tap it several times, <laughs> the display and the screen, and it doesn't do that. You have to use the crown and actually like rotate it and press it and stuff. I get why it's out there. You know, um, Withings, it's, it's a nice thing for what it is. And some people probably don't want everything that an Apple Watch can do. And they do like the looks of an old school watch. So it's kind of like bridging the gap there. And, and in some ways, for some certain people out there, it's probably like the best of both worlds, I guess. Although I don't think it's the best of either world at the same time. And that's sort of my big knock against it is that, uh, you know, for, for an old school watch, it really lacks any of the art that I think people really like about a more traditional watch style, meaning it's not mechanical or anything. It's not like a self-winding mechanical art piece, you know? So uh, it just isn't inherently an amazing handcrafted thing from Switzerland or, or, you know, anything like that. And on the digital side of things, it's just so lacking uh, in every little way. Uh, It's just so basic that it's too basic. Um, You know, it can do notifications of text messages, but nothing else. And they're not interactive. And again, I can't just use Siri to say something, you know, uh, or or ask it something. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not right for me. That said, I think when I'm done testing it out, I'll be a little sad to see it go just because it is not mainstream in a way. And I do kind of like that. Isn't that funny? You've kind of come full circle in my thinking about, uh, smartwatches or so so-called smartwatches okay um let me tell you a little bit about midjourney i've been using it you guys know and i'm not saying this uh to get you to sign up for it i'm just saying because i actually do like it and use it all the time but you know i talk about ai tools all the time things like jarvis things like remove.bg well jarvis is now jasper so um but but midjourney obviously had some obvious appeal to somebody who's like really into ai stuff like i am and it's basically like DALL-E, D-A-L-L-E, DALL-E, in that you can input stuff and it will spit out uh, images based on your inputs. And uh, it's been in beta for a while. Everyone can pretty much get access to it now. And uh, you get a, a little free trial. And then after that, it costs like 30 or $50 a month, depending on how you're going to use it. So at first, I just wanted to try it. And I wanted to check it out and uh, see what it was like. Would it be useful? Was it any good? Um, and then... After I tried it out, I ended up paying for it. I don't know if I'm going to keep the subscription going or not. It depends how much I'm going to use it, but I've had a lot of fun with it. So, in fact, I would have had more uh, content done this week, except I made a bunch of new wallpapers with it. And um, you would think that it would be really easy to make some wallpapers, right? Just tell it, make some cool uh, abstract wallpaper, and, and it spits something out. Except it's not really like that. AI is a tool that is only as good as the wielder. I would say. So for instance, if you go into there and and you say, you know, abstract wallpaper, it's going to spit out something with the same colors every single time, right? So you as the operator need to dial in, you know, some parameters to make it more interesting. And that's, it's actually a lot harder than it sounds to bend the tool to your will. If you have something in, in mind already, like in your head and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to bring this to life here. Um, it takes a lot of attempts. You got to pull a lot of levers. You got to think creatively about it, ironically, kind of, and interestingly, because the AI really can't do everything that you want. And sometimes it's kind of frustrating uh, what it will spit out. And you thought you were really clear in your instructions, and then it gives you something that's nowhere near what you're talking about. And you just you end up abandoning 
that idea. But other times it spits out stuff that you couldn't have imagined in your wireless dreams. And it's like, great. So I've got some absolutely surreal stuff that I've generated, uh, but I've been having some fun. So I, I did some cool prompts like, uh, you know, what if Apple designed some robots? What would that look like? And then I kind of refined those. That's fun. Um, I did some things like, what if you combined Halo and Destiny 2 landscapes with some cinematic colors? That was cool. I did, I really like some sci-fi stuff. So I did some sci-fi looking stuff. Uh, I got it to spit out some really interesting looking, like futuristic, colorful, uh, like interior design, you know, luxury looking, minimalistic interior design uh environments that was kind of fun oh i did some interesting like retro like 1970s looking so like early star wars stuff posters sci-fi looking posters that's pretty cool and so i've been learning like all the different little inputs that you can give it so if you just turn it loose and you're like illustrate the beginning of the universe or something you know it'll spit out something but then if you're like well do that but make it photorealistic that'll be something completely different uh, or like I said, minimalistic, or you can add words like subtle or um, types of colors like monochromatic or, uh, you know, uh, prismatic or chromatic, stuff like that. I had it uh, mash up some Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars looking spaceships. Um, that was interesting. I got some really crazy looking, um, I don't even know how to describe them, landscapes. I told it to make the sky like opal colored. I don't know if you've ever seen an opal. Really interesting rocks. Uh, really colorful. That was kind of crazy. You can just type in crazy stuff like a, a, a new color and it will shoot something. Of course, it can't give you an actual new color, but it's funny what it tries to make. One of my favorite things, uh, a couple things was I asked it to design an Apple car and I kind of gave it some interesting inputs and Apple shoes just to see what it would do. And of course I told it, you know, make it minimalistic, uh, make it made out of white materials. Uh, you can do things like add in LED lights or for the Apple car, I, I said kind of combine elements of a Porsche with a Lamborghini or a Land Rover or whatever, but designed by Apple Inc. You have to say Inc. because otherwise it thinks designed by an actual Apple, like an Apple that you would eat and uh, made that mistake a few times. That was weird. Actually been having a lot of fun on there. It could waste a ton of time, but here's my tip for you though. If you're gonna try this out, um, so the whole thing operates off of Discord. So there's a Discord server and there's a bot within the server and you type in a backslash imagine prompt and then you type out whatever you want it to imagine, I guess. But it starts you out like you have to be in a newbie's room or I forget what they call it. And so you're in this room with all these other people creating crap and and crap there is, right? This is like my main knock against the service right now is, you know, for a lot of people, it could just be like traumatizing just to be in the newbie room. What I discovered was I was ready to just be done with the thing because people were typing in the stupidest, most offensive, uh, ridiculous crap, honestly. But I found out that you can actually DM the bot and then you kind of get your own private feed. And that is a thousand times better. It feels like such an upgrade. And then you're only getting your prompts. So of course, being a coffee person, um, I had it design me like a futuristic looking coffee shop or something. And uh, man, it, it, you could just waste a lot of time on there. And I have. One of the most interesting prompts I gave it was layers of abstract flowing circles with gradients with Nike colors. And it made these crazy shapes. You could try typing that in yourself. And it looks like Nike shoe material stretched out in all these weird ways with these hot Nike colors. Um, it does look like a shoe that's all you know abstracted into some interesting 
fun shapes. But yes, okay. So I'm, I'm just scrolling back through my feed here because then it gives you a feed of everything that you put in. The one of the coolest things I, I got to feature this in some way, shape, or form was having it, you know, design this Apple Car. But uh, I did the car. And I did an SUV and I did a car too. And uh, I, man, ooh. It looks so cool. I, I could see this as a prototyping tool for people who, and I actually, I did see somebody else doing this. Um, they were talking about it. Uh, I forget who it was. It was an Apple app developer, and they just had it kind of prototype some app icons. And uh, it got some that were pretty interesting. It's for like a painting app or something. It had like a paintbrush with some paint spills or dabs in an icon shape. And then he said he took that into uh, Photoshop and cleaned it up and actually made a real icon out of it. And that's the thing. It gets you 90 90 to 92 percent maybe of the way there when it comes to something that you're trying to make that you could actually use so it doesn't get you 100 percent there so whatever you do it's going to require probably more extra work from you if you actually want to use anything that's coming out of it at this point but these sports cars oh they look cool if this is what the apple car looked like wow they would sell in droves and let me see what the prompt was that gave me the cool thing so okay the prompt was a photorealistic sleek white car designed by apple that has cool led lights and has elements of a porsche mixed with a tesla that's what i that's what i told it wow and then uh, you can ask for variations of something if you get something that you like so that's cool and then once you do find something that you like you can have it upscale it twice so it can upscale it once and upscale to max and all of this takes time, of course. It's not instant. So the thing thinks for a while. And, uh, you know, it gives you, whenever, whatever the prompt is that you give it, it spits out four options in kind of a low-res preview. So this is fun. I, I'm not sure what all the applications are going to be for people um, with this right now, right away. But it absolutely is a great way to just fire up your own creativity and imagination. So yeah, that's what I've been up to lately. Um, I am going to go ahead. My withings is telling me that 30 minutes is up. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, this thing. Uh, so yeah, I got a busy day. I'm, I'm going to get some more clips up and some other stuff. The newsletter's got to come out today. Ooh, I'm liking the newsletter. Hopefully you guys are liking it too. This is episode or uh, issue number four. And always I have too much cool stuff. I, I narrow it down to just like one thing in each category right there at the top of the newsletter. If you're new around here, the newsletter, uh, it delivers app and uh, accessory recommendations and some other stuff to you right in your inbox every Friday, and it's pretty cool. It's the service that I would want if I was you and somebody else was me. But anyways, all right, thanks for hanging out. I'll catch you guys in the next video or podcast or tweet or wherever. Later.